This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Today we're going to talk about UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So UAPs are the the new word that the, I wouldn't say new, but UFOs was used a lot. And obviously whenever you heard the word UFO, you think, oh, that's crazy, conspiracy theory, ah. And so the government just changed the name of the program to UAPs. And what's interesting, and I've been studying this stuff my whole life since I was a kid. Like, what are UFOs? What's that all about? And I, I remember in the, um, I think it was the mid-90s, was uh, a former general that I think he was stationed at Wright-Patterson when the Roswell incident happened back in 1947. Um, he wrote a book called The Day After Roswell. And in the book, he talked about he was the guy that basically got the bodies and got all of the wreckage from the craft that had crashed there in 1947 and determined which companies to send the stuff off to to figure out how we could use it or back engineer it and uh, try to see what we can to learn about it and get some technology out of it. And what he said... Um, was that what ultimately led to Kevlar, fiber optic, different alloys were all things, night vision were all things that um, that they were able to back engineer from these recovered alien vehicles. And so it was interesting, like when you look at the space program and all the different astronauts, like you look at uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, he was the sixth man to uh, walk on the moon. He spent more time on the moon than any of the astronauts. And what's interesting is that he was a kid growing up in Roswell, New Mexico, when that saucer crashed. And Dr. Edgar Mitchell talked about, he referred to him as the old timers. And so those were the old, you know, the people that were older, the adults. And um, they talked about it for years after the event had happened. And these were very credible people. He grew up, their family, they knew each other. And that's how he became interested in space exploration was because he lived in Roswell growing up, and he heard all the stories from the old-timers, as he called it, the, you know, from the mortician that sent over um, coffins that were the size, you know, to bury, like, children in, and talked, you know, and then the people at the hospital that saw the bodies, and then other people that um, were, that saw the wreckage, and that's what got him interested in, in space exploration. And then there's a, a video, uh, an interview with uh, astronaut, I think it was Gordon Cooper. And he was talking about, I think it was in the 1950s. He was higher up in a, you know, in, 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 worked on a base. And so this video was taken by some of the people on this base. And he said there, and he saw this video. He said there was a, 
a craft that came down and like hovered over the ground and like three legs came out of the bottom and it landed and two or three small beings got out, walked around and then got back in and then flew away. And he saw us. He's like, well, okay. That's kind of weird. That's unusual. Let me send it to the, huh? Was it, where was that base? I don't know. There's another, I heard a similar story like that in London. It's like there's some Royal Air Force. Yeah, I'll I'll get to that one. That was a completely different one. This was him on a base where he was stationed. And so he got the video and they're like, hey, we filmed this. It's like, what do we do with it? And so he got on the phone, talked to the higher ups. They're like, send it over to us. He sent it. And then like, I don't know, three, four weeks later, a month later, he's like, hey, what, um, did you get that video? It's like, what do you think? And he says, yep, we got it, but you're not to talk about it ever again. And he was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. And so there's lots of other stories of the astronauts that on the way to the moon and back that the, they, they were followed. They were followed on the way there. They were followed on the way back. They were, you know, craft, you know, on, on the outside. I heard it, especially when they get to, like, the other side of, like, the dark side of the moon, too. Supposedly. follows us most of the time. Yeah, when you go back to, like, the National Press Club, I think it was 2001, there were, I don't know, over 100 witnesses. And these were people that worked for the government, worked for different um, defense contractors, and they all shared what they had experienced. And they're like, I'll testify to Congress under oath. And it was Dr. Stephen Greer was the one that was, you know, putting a lot of these witnesses on. And so the one you were talking about was, it was very famous, it was in the UK, and I think it happened in the late 60s or the mid-70s, I can't remember. Yeah, right around there. So it was one of our bases in, in the UK, and there were um, there was a craft that was like just kind of sitting there, I don't know if it was hovering, and it wasn't moving, and they didn't hear any kind of humming or anything, it was just sitting there, they went up and touched it. And then they all kind of felt like they should get away with it. And then the thing took off. And then um, later, because this was like where we had nuclear missiles and, and, you know, there are nuclear missile silos in this particular base, that this same craft or a similar craft, I don't know if it was all the same day or it was over the course of a week or whatever, just stopped and hovered above all these nuclear missile silos. And so the guys that were down in the uh, missile silo control room said they watched like each missile like click off it was like somebody was just flipping a switch and turning each one of the missiles off and it just sat there i don't know 10 15 minutes wherever they filmed it it wasn't moving wasn't making any noises and then after a period of time it just went it just took off out of sight and they said you know a couple of minutes after the you know the thing was completely gone out of sight and there was nowhere to even see it each missile clicked back on, like somebody was individually turning it back on. And they believed that it, you know, because most of these craft that started showing up started showing up after we started blowing up nuclear bombs during Trinity test you know, site. Yeah, the Trinity test site. Because somehow the, the, I guess the pulse that's emitted by a nuclear explosion, the aliens received that signal and are like, uh oh, the earthlings. <laughs> have split the atom and so a lot of them started showing up and so you you know you you, especially there was a famous case over washington dc where several dozen over the course of a few weeks or a month or whatever it was were filmed over washington dc because people were like what the hell is all this 
And um, so that that was a famous case. And so what they believed is that the aliens were saying, hey, we're not going to let you blow each other to hell and nuclear Armageddon. And that was like their way of saying your technology is nothing. We can turn it on or off. It will. Don't try it in essence. And because I guess similar things happen with, with the Russians as well, that it's like they were sending a message. It's like we have superior technology and there's there's nothing you can do about it. And so you had Project Blue Book, which happened, I think it was in the 1950s, which was, you know, the government got together and said, hey, what are these aerial phenomena? And that, they you know, called them UFOs. Project Blue Book was shut down and then it became something else and then it became something else. It's like each time like the public would become a little too aware of something. They would just change the program, change the name, and then like UAPs, when I heard that, I was like, why don't they call it UFOs? I was like, oh, it's the government. They're trying to maintain secrecy. And so you got people that have worked in that those programs for the government, and like you, and in the New York Times, it's been admitted that the Defense Department, the United, the DOD, Department of Defense for the United States, has come out and said, yeah, we are in possession of crash spacecraft that are definitely not from this planet. And they've also admitted publicly that they are in possession of the pilots of some of these vehicles as well. And they've been working to try to back engineer it. And it's like, I remember in the 1980s when Bob Lazar first, he came out and he was famous and all that stuff. And, you know, I remember the interviews and he talked about, you know, how the craft would, it basically, there were like little pods in the bottom of it that, you know, created like a, a, a gravity wave or whatever. And so when the thing would take off, it would turn and then, you know, if it was going to go straight up, it would go straight up. If it was going to fly sideways, the disc would turn and then go, you know, with its belly towards whatever direction it was going to fly. Like it would go so fast it'd be out of sight in a second or two and fly at, and do things that our technology just simply cannot it's just do. Inconceivable. It's just a completely different me- mechanism of travel and stuff that we can't comprehend. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And then, yeah, I think that's where a lot of, the, like, the black budgets go into a lot of that stuff. Because a lot of, like, a lot of, like, the UFO stuff, we, our top officials aren't even told about it. Like, the old... They're not read people, into it. Yeah. It's... They a, don't have clearance. Above top secret, supposedly. And it's so, like, compartmentalized. You don't know who has what or who knows what. It's only, like, on that, like, need-to-know basis you're going to learn about things. Yeah, Bob Lazar talked about that. He said there was a group of scientists that worked on propulsion. There was another group that was working on trying to back-engineer and figure out the metals. There was another group that worked on the control systems of, of the aircraft. And they weren't really allowed to talk to one another. He felt it would be better if they all worked and collaborated, but the idea was that they didn't want one group of scientists or engineers 
learning all the technology. They only wanted them to know like little individual pieces. That way, you know, the higher ups would know how everything functioned, but the actual people that are working on it were one side didn't know what the other one was doing. And then he got, basically got found out because the, you know, cause they're always doing security checks and they said, Hey Bob, um, your wife is basically cheating on you. And they, that was one of the reasons why they, they fired him. You know, he, he got on their radar because they were tapping his phones in essence and found out his wife was screwing some other guy. And so that was a security risk because he, he or the wife could potentially be blackmailed by our adversaries. If, um, if that was found out, but he also was, you know, telling his friends about the stuff that he was seeing and they were like, come on, that's ridiculous. He's like, no, they, they fly these things like every Tuesday or Thursday night at this time where, cause he knew the schedule and he says, we'll go watch them. And so they actually went to, uh, wherever the spot was in a de- desert. Cause back then in the eighties, the, you know, you could get fairly close and watch all these weird lights in the sky and stuff like that. And so they were there and then, you know, the security caught them basically. And so they, you know, they figured out he was there with his friends and he was telling people, plus his, you know, wife was cheating on him. And, uh, they just, he got fired because he, they deemed him to be too much of a security risk. And so obviously most people have heard about him after he went on Joe Rogan the last few yeah, years. Yeah, I think they're pretty right, actually. It seems that he was a pretty big security risk. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know, he told everyone because he was, he was worried, like, especially back then, you get a handful of networks. This is way before the internet. It was like, it was easy to make somebody disappear or their story disappear. Yeah. And ruin their career or Just take their their lose. pension away, you know, through gag orders. That's pretty common with people that work for the government. That you sign a gag order when you leave that you don't talk about things, and if you do, you lose your pension. So you can imagine, you know, somebody that's sixty, seventy years old, and depending on a pension, and like if you talk, they'll just take it away, and you're gonna lose your house. You you can't pay your bills, and it's like when you're seventy five, eighty years old, it's not like you're gonna you know typically go back in the workforce and and get a job or go go back working in an office. So most people Not typically keep, keep their mouth shut about yeah. those kinds of things. And cause I have, have family that has worked for the government and it's like, they all sign gag orders that they can't talk about. The, and if they do, they get punished monetarily. So that's one of the ways they get people to be quiet about it. And you, you wonder like why all the secrecy, but like in 1947 after Roswell happened, and Truman was president at the time. They're like, what are we going to do about this? You know, because after when Roswell happened, the newspapers all over the country said, hey, there was a UFO that crashed and the Defense Department's in possession. It was a flying saucer. And then like 24 hours, what happened was the um, somebody higher up got on the phone with the guys that were running the base down there and basically said, are you fucking stupid? You need to retract that story and tell them it was something else it was a weather balloon or something like that and so the very next day a story comes out ah oh, shucks it wasn't a flying saucer after all it was just a weather balloon and here's some aluminum foil and pieces of a weather balloon and but everybody in the city knew what had happened because they were there there were so many people that interacted with the craft helped with the retrieval saw the bodies saw the the wreckage and because um, there were I, there were multiple locations there was I guess the thing hit the ground and parts of it broke off and then continued back in the air. And then, you know, the big, most of what was left of it crashed 
you know, a few miles away. So there were actually multiple crash sites and multiple recovery sites for the debris. And so if you guys um, study a little bit of history during uh, the War of the Worlds broadcast, which was Orson Welles, was, you know, this was back before television. And so there was a, a radio broadcast going on. It was like um, a story about um, the Martians, you know, men from Mars, in essence, little green men, basically, you know, are taking over Earth, you know. And so yeah. they're dramatizing this. And Washington D.C. has just been destroyed, and they got sound effects, and it you actually know, very, very realistic. Yeah, right so now. you got people all over the country that are you know driving home, and oh, let's see what's on the radio tonight. And New York has just been destroyed by the Martians, and you know people hear this and they tune in the middle of the broadcast and they think it's actual news. Yeah. They don't realize it's just a dramatization of this story that has all these sound effects and things. And so people were freaking out. They're General's you know load, calling in and stuff. Yeah. They're loading all their shit in their car and they're heading for the mountains. And you know they're thinking, if people found out that we weren't alone in the universe, society would collapse. People wouldn't be able to handle it. I mean, just look what happened with the War of the Worlds broadcast. You know that created all kinds of chaos in the country yeah. because the people that tuned in in the middle of the broadcast thought it was a real thing that was happening. And so, like, man, if this gets out, because the other thing that came back, because Truman asked the military, was like, what the hell's going on? And the military looked into it, and they basically sat down with them and said, um, there is definitely craft, different kinds of craft coming into and out of our atmosphere. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their intentions are. But quite frankly, Mr. President, if they wanted to come down here and take over, our military would not even be a speed bump to them. They're so far advanced and so far superior. And so they said people can't handle the truth. That was their what their belief was, especially after the War of the Worlds thing. And they thought society would collapse. So they thought the decision was made to just lie and deny. Because, you know, the U.S. government leaks like a sieve anyway. So the stuff gets out. And so what happens is you have basically disinformation agents inside the government of different alphabet agencies that when real stuff gets reported bogus shit also gets put into the media so the truth is out there but there's also a lot of bogus stories and misinformation and so the average person is trying to figure out what's going on they can't really make heads or tails or, or connect any real dots and then now you have the internet you have joe rogan you have all these um the people in congress there's several people in congress that are they're pissed off about it because they're like i'm a senator i'm a congressman and i've been here for and i've never heard anything about any of these programs and uh dr stephen greer was congress is supposed to vote on the budgets yeah well um dr stephen greer was meeting with one of the top level um one of the top generals in the pentagon for the u.s military and he says here's here's the defense contractor here's the guy that's in charge of that program and so the general called this dude up, and the guy answers the phone. He says, yes, general, I know who you are, and no, I'm not going to talk to you. You haven't been read in, and you don't have the clearance to, to learn about this stuff or know about it. Good day. And he just hung up on him. This was like one of our top yeah. military guys, and he's just got some dude in the private sector going, yeah, it's need to no basis, and you none of your business, general. Fuck off. <laughs> Click. It just hangs up on him. And the general's like, what? What so is I this? What entity then controls 
basically the one that gives out the clearance then. Like, you know how all the scientists were compartmentalized, but there was that one group above that c organized it. I wonder who that is. I actually have no clue. Well, if you ever watched, like, uh, Stargate SG-1 from the, the yeah. 90s. That's a good show. They have a, a secret space program, basically, using back, you know. So they took that story that which you, if if we learned, or the top scientists, or that, you know, people in the Air Force or the Space Force, whatever you want to call it, there are pilots that are piloting these alien aircraft that you could literally end up with a breakaway civilization. You could get a group that is now functioning and operating outside the U.S. government using this alien technology and having these ships, and most of the politicians and people in power have no idea. And so you could have bases on the moon. You have, I mean, there's a, I don't know what's true, but yeah. it's a really interesting story. And it you think, think if we've it. had this stuff since the 1940s, and like what Bob Lazar said is there were working um, craft that had been recovered from crashes. And supposedly some of the craft were given to us as well so we could study it and research it and try to learn how to operate them. That if you've got elements that are connected to the government but have – they basically exist outside of it and aren't accountable to anybody and they have this technology – free energy technology because there's you know what was it element 112 or element 115 or something like that was that's now in the periodic table which mm -hmm. bob lazar talked about that in the 1980s that there was a new element that wasn't even on the periodic table which was the power source for that these um reactors i guess that yeah. created the power system and that this element 115 or whatever it was was an element that didn't exist in nature it was something that was created and it gives off some kind of energy that's able to be turned into anti-gravity and power the whole craft. But if they've got these and they're, you know, we, which we know they have them because the government's now admitted them. That they do have that them. That they do have them. And Bob Lazar is like, yeah, we've been flying these things for decades. So like you could see how, I mean, they could yeah. go build a, a base in the moon or Mars or somewhere and, and a part of the planet where it's never seen or it's concealed. And Antarctica. nobody would ever know. They could be flying around the sky like the other aliens, and you'd think, oh, it's just another alien, but some yeah, of them might exactly. be ours. That's why I think so, too, actually. Or maybe some of them are our people from the future that have come back. It's like, yeah. who knows what the real – I don't know what the real story is. I think is, a lot more of the UFOs actually are uh, humans flying around now compared to like, all the crashes before. You know, if you if you think about like going back thousands of years to like Atlantis and stuff like that, because Edgar Casey talked about in readings that the Atlanteans – had vehicles that could fly, and they were powered by harnessing the energy from the sun, like some kind of solar radiation, some kind of crystals, he said, collected the energy and then basically beamed it everywhere. And then their vehicles and their aircraft could just basically tune into this energy that's being transmitted and use it to power the vehicle. And it's like, so if you've had this in the past where... Previous versions of the civilization that, you know, got so advanced and they were basically, in essence, a breakaway civilization. Like when you listen to like Klaus Schwab and the rest of these guys talk about how they're going to engineer their bodies and merge it with technology yeah. that elite in the past maybe did this. And then you go through some kind of major cataclysm on Earth 
or solar flare or something and it's like most of the people die off because like human history written history only you know really goes back a few thousand years years, because after the you know the loss of the library of alexandria that all that information was lost and so human history going back tens of thousands of years is, is everything's been completely lost but Maybe some of these civilizations from thousands of years ago were some of the ones flying around the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, all the pictographs and like hieroglyphs all have like pictures of UFOs and stuff like that. They resemble that as well. Yeah, I really I do think that like all of this, like theoretically, could be possible. But at the same time, like we're not advanced enough yet figure that out as sad as it is to I don't say. think so I think you're wrong really yeah hmm. I don't well, know. You, you know I personally like I have seen like a UFO it was actually not too far away from where we are uh, back when I was in high school it was in daylight um, a friend from high school like these twins they were having a party and we were all just hanging out like in the backyard they live on the water and we all looked up because we saw something weird and it was this beautiful like geometrically perfect shape giant structure but like the lights were uh, just, I I don't even know how to describe it. They were just perfect, like perfectly aligned. And the object was just floating there. And the next thing we knew, it did this like zoop, 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 zoop. And then it like disappeared. And then it like popped back up like somewhere else. And we all looked at each other like, oh my God, did you guys all see that shit? And that was the day that I totally knew. Like, they're ET is real. They're here. They're hanging out. So, well, one of the guys that uh, the guy that ran uh, Skunk Works for Lockheed Martin after he was given a, a lecture, and uh, after he had retired, and he you can you can look the quote up. I I can't remember his name, but he's a very famous um, guy. He said that. Um, not only can we phone home for ET, but we have the technology to take ET home. We could take him there. It's amazing to me to grow up in the seventies and the eighties and you know, occasionally there'd be something on TV about UFOs. Like I remember one, you know, instance uh, like Gulf Breeze, Florida, it was like all over the news and there were these amazing pictures of all these UFOs and it went on for like 10 years or whatever and later it turned out to be it was the whole thing was a hoax. And so you got stuff like that that would happen because our ability to gather information or get information about this topic was so limited. And now with the internet and YouTube and videos and all these different testimonies that people come out is that the stuff is out there and so it's not so easy to control information or Somebody experienced them, just go threaten them, tell them never speak about it again, or else we're going to make you it disappear. It just makes you fake a bunch of which stuff. Which is what happened too, during Roswell. There was, I remember there was a, um, a nurse, one of the other accounts. She was young, very beautiful, 
and she was in the hospital and was involved in kind of looking at, I guess, the autopsy on the bodies of the aliens that had been recovered that that had died. And she was threatened by somebody that basically said because they were all talking about it when this happened because they were like freaked out yeah, about what it. is that? We've it was like what is that? what are those and they um basically because she was like we're gonna talk to the news we gotta talk to the newspaper and somebody from higher up alphabet agency or whatever men in black type person basically said threatened her and threatened her and scared the crap out of her so much that um, she, like, somebody came to her, like, hey, you know, wanted to talk about it, and she's, like, refused to talk about it. And then, like, a week or two later, she was gone, and they never saw her again. They don't know where, where she went, if she moved away, or, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what happened. But back then, they, they can make people disappear or threaten you with your life, and what are you going to do? Nowadays, it's like, you know, because what Bob Lazard is, they, I guess they start threatening him. And he was worried that they were going to kill him. So that's why he went to this reporter and told everything he knew. Because he's like, hey, at least I get my story out there. And if I'm very famous and people know about it, then they'll leave me alone. I'll be able to live. And so, which has happened. And now he's talking about these things that have all turned out to, to be true. It's like stuff's all in the New York Times. It's like, and then you had uh, Commander Lefraver, I think it was. The one was on Joe Rogan about the Tic Tac. And that was, hell, that thing was filmed like 20 years ago. And they're just now talking about it in the last few years. And, you know, so you got stuff like that. Now you got members of Congress that they're really pissed off because they're like, we're not read into this. It's like we try to get answers from the different alphabet agencies and they get stonewalled. And it's just like the government has lost control. I think it was even um, Eisenhower when he was in. Remember his famous address? You know, he talked about oh, okay. the military-industrial yeah. complex, and and uh, that basically he recognized that by the time his presidency was over and he was leaving office, that the all of this technology and these these craft, because there were multiple retrievals by that point, just kind of disappeared into a black hole, and he was totally kept out of the loot loop and could never find really find out anything about it and he recognized that the military industrial complex now had all this technology and they were hoarding it to themselves and he had basically totally lost control of yeah, it. It's the most powerful.